Are you feeling like no one understands your struggles? That you're isolated and alone? Like no one has your back to support, encourage, or celebrate your wins with you? Well, let me personally invite you to join me in the Living Fearless Today Facebook group. Hey, we recently launched the group and are open to other men just like you who want to know their worth, value, and purpose to grow in confidence, find their worth, and appreciate their contributions. So if you simply search Living Fearless Today on Facebook, and uh, then just click to join us. I look forward to meeting you, seeing your growth, and the success you begin to experience in your life within this band of men. This is the Living Fearless Today podcast, a show that helps men like you and me who are struggling to get unstuck and overcome fear to live confidently and courageously. I'm your host and transformation coach, Mike Forrester, helping you create the change you want now. Join me as I interview men who've conquered their challenges and soared to success as they spill their secrets on how they live fearless today. Well, hello, my friend. Uh, today we have Danny Bader with us. Man, you are in for a treat. Danny has a just amazing spirit about him. Uh, he just totally endeared me first time we met. And uh, yeah, it. so let me introduce you. This is my friend, Danny. And yeah, well, uh, thank you, Mike. And it's mutual. It is mutual. I'm happy to be here. Thank you, my friend. Hey, if if you wouldn't mind, would you start off by telling us like where you are today? What do things look like? Um, I know you've got the podcast, you've got the books. Um, just, yeah, if you wouldn't mind, just tell us where you're at today. Yeah, so, so today um, doing some work <clears throat> primarily with um, virtual keynotes and virtual trainings. I've also got the podcast Back to Life that we, we got a little bit more, not a little bit, a lot more clarity on it. So it's called Back to Life. And the subtitle is Finding Fulfillment After 50. And uh, then, of course, I have my books. I have, first one is Back to Life. Second one is called, Abraham, is called Abraham's Diner. And the third one is I Met Jesus for a Miller Light. And, um, you know, I'm continuing to work and, and work on those, promote those, and working on a fourth book as well. And, but people, though, when you see Jesus in the title there, just take a deep breath. You know, Mike, sometimes people go, oh, my Jesus, does, is it religious? It says Jesus. And I always say, well, it says Miller Light too. So they don't go together. Just take a break. It's just a story. Um, so can you touch on like with the different books, like what, what's their focus? Can you give us a, a high level on them? Yeah, sure. Let me start. Let me start in reverse. So my third book, I met Jesus for a Miller Light. I had this story of, of a character, main character, his name's Michael. And he's running back in the NFL and he gets knocked out of a few games, very good in college. And he gets concussions and, it, you know, he starts to be seen as damaged goods. A heck of an athlete, but people are going, oh, man, he gets hurt too much. So he nobody picks him up. And then he goes and plays in Canada for not even a full year, maybe, and gets a, another pretty violent hit. So he's just kind of lost because he worked his whole life to play in the NFL. And his goal was to play for 10 or 12 years and then retire. And, he, you know, he had his whole vision. And as we often do in life, we have our vision, but the universe may not cooperate with that. And that's what happens with um, Michael. And then he's got some friends as well that are all struggling with different things in life, you know, relationship challenges, health challenges and those things. So that's uh, I met Jesus for Miller Lite. In, in the middle there, I wrote one called uh, Abraham's Diner. Mm -hmm. Simple wisdom for more. Um, relaxed focus and inspiration. And that's about a stressed out executive named Patrick. And Patrick lives in Southern California and works for a large consulting company like, you know, Deloitte or something. And he's just, he's a bit out of whack. His wife's ready to leave him. His son's, you know, just all they want to do is go surfing with him in Southern California and he's too busy. So this, this older guy, Abraham, that owns a diner, this little Hawaiian dude about 80 years old, just befriends him when Michael comes in one rainy morning. And then, you know, a little story takes place and uh, Abraham supports him in, in growing and moving through the challenge. Back to Life is um, the second edition of a book that I wrote. I started it. It was published in 2012. And it's the um, 
fictional tale based very much on reality of a young man named Jake. And Jake's story is he was 20, 28 years of age, working for two brothers and owned a roofing company. And he and one of the brothers get electrocuted when they're lowering a metal ladder and it hits a high tension electric, high voltage electric line. Jake and the guy both get killed. Jake and his friend are both killed. And then after, you know, eight minutes or so, Jake comes back to life. He had that experience of crossing over and coming back. Um, and Jake's story is very much based on a real life event, which happened to me when I was almost 29. And then the story is really, it's not so much about Jake's experience with God. It's more about how did Jake move through that difficult time? How did he get through it? Right. And that's kind of the, the message inherent in the story is we all go through tough times. There are some basic principles of life of humanity that have been around a long, long time. I didn't invent them. I just kind of said, okay, here's Danny's spin on what you need to do when you're going through it through time. Yeah. And uh, that's the story of, of Jake's resilience through that. And that is a phenomenal book. I absolutely love it. Thank can, you. Thanks. Oh, dude, my pleasure. Can, can you touch a little bit more on like the story, like the lessons that you've built into the story? Can you touch on that a little bit? More? Oh yeah, sure. Sure. So, so the lessons in the story are, after I had the accident, I was 28 and uh, I, I bounced around for a little bit, got married shortly after that and then worked in corporate America. And I went for it to get my coaching certification out with the wonderful people at the Hudson Institute in Santa Barbara. And at the end, you had to do a project and one was to build a model. Right. So there are models. Stephen Covey had seven habits of highly successful people. Um, Jack Canfield at sales success principles. I mean, people come up with, okay, here's my model. Here's the principles that you need to practice to do this, whatever it might be. And I thought, how did I move from, from a few days away from taking my own life? Because that's how, that's how self-destructive I was after the accident with all my guilt and my blame and my, my, my despair. And how did I do that to now being married with two kids, you know, reasonably happy? Yeah. And I boiled it down in those five principles that I call jackrabbit. And uh, the jackrabbit principles are very simple. Develop vision, be still, seek support and be support. Know thyself as Socrates. Always look at yourself. You and I were chatting a little bit before we hit recording. You're always looking at, okay, how am I showing up in the world? How am I thinking about this? How am I performing in the different roles that I have in my life? You know, what are my beliefs? What are my mindset? What are my values? Am I really connected to them? And then the last one is simply to evolve, which is to undergo continuous and gradual change, change slash growth. So there are the lessons that this young Jake gets through the story. And he gets them from different people, fictional characters, you know, very much based on some people that I know. Yeah, the story is amazing. I love the character buildup, the, the detail of um, the, the environment, whether it was on the East coast or Arizona, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it draws you in. And that to me is core in any good story. Mm, thank you. Yeah. I've, I have a wonderful editor that helps me with that drawing in factor. That's awesome. All right. Seek support is one of the principles. So yes, if you're working on a book, don't, don't worry that it has to be perfect. It won't be. <laughs> you find yourself a real strong editor and it will come out really, really good. That's awesome. So what is it like, what's your focus um, current time? Like you said, you're working on your fourth book. Um, yep. I know COVID restrictions are changing kind of like, mm -hmm. what is, what is your focus? What are you, what are you doing day to day? What does that right. look like for you? Yeah, great. So working on the fourth book is a big focus. And um, I have some good momentum now, which I'm, I'm happy to report because momentum sometimes is as easy as it is to build, right? It's just the, the repetition of actions. Um, it's hard for us to get into those repetition of actions sometimes if we think it's hard, right? We're a product right. of what we think. So once I, I got into that, I'm, I'm doing well. I, I engage with my editor again. She has the first half of the book that she's working on and she's wonderful. Um, she's just a joy to work with. She kind of keeps me laughing and, and smacks me down when she wants to cut out some of my writing. And I'm like, but that's brilliant. And, you know, she'll <laughs> laugh and say, well, not really. And I'll say, yeah, you're right. 
So working on that. And then, of course, you know, it was a rough year for us as speakers, many of us as speakers. Um, so still working on the virtual. I do virtual keynotes. I did one yesterday um, that thankfully was well received. I do the virtual trainings, which are maybe two hours to three hours, and they're all out on my website. Um, and then uh, the podcast, working to build our Back to Life podcast. They're the main things I'm focused on right now. So we've talked some talked on the business side. What does personal life look like for you right now, as far as um, relationships, just family structure, and and yeah. how you're working on on strengthening those? What does that look like? Yeah, great question. So I guess the main thing in my personal life is my wife and I downsized in November of last year. So we're five months into it, maybe coming in six months, and she was okay to do it. You know, she was supporting me. We thought about it for some time. And then when COVID hit and the housing market went up and um, some things had changed, my parents lived. So we moved. We moved from a, you know, modest four bedroom, two car garage, nice home, you know, nice lot backed up to woods. And we moved into kind of a, a city, small city outside of Philadelphia. And real estate is very difficult to find there. So we got really lucky and found this guy who was redoing a row home. Um, uh, it had been unoccupied for probably two years and he totally redid it. It was in very, very bad shape. So we, we luckily kind of found that and went back and forth and then just bought that from him. The adjustment is, you know, it's city life. It's a little louder than we're used to. And it's, you know, it's a smaller home. It's just three bedrooms, you know, and very narrow. So just getting used to that is, is a bit of a journey and I'm digging it. You know, the energy is great. I went for a run this morning. I can leave my house, run across a bridge, across a river, and right down to a trail. Um, I've got some challenges with business, you know, personally, just trying to keep the foot on the pedal there. Yeah. Um, our kids are doing pretty well. Luke's out in D.C., Washington, D.C. He's 26, I guess. Joey's out in L.A. We're heading out next week to see him. He just graduated from film school and doing some work out there, looking for a job you know, both acting and, um, you know, he does some writing as well. And then Lizzie is our daughter's our third child. She's down at University of Pennsylvania and she's a runner down there. So she's doing great in school and everything else. Unfortunately, she had two injuries this year. She had one in the, in the winter where she um, had a stress fracture in her right foot and then got better, worked out. She was lifting weights and swimming and doing all she could do while she was in the boot and then get, getting ready for the spring season you know, the modified spring season this year and her left um, foot, little fracture in the ankle, not as bad. Mm. So really um, she's great. They're all, all our children are great. Just really focused on, on them and making sure that they understand, you know, those principles of resilience that we have to tap into from time to time. And then I've got my mom and dad are 91 and 83. So they live very close now, 15 minutes. And I have only sister. I have six brothers and one one sister. It was like Snow White and the seven little people, the Irish Catholic version. She's my oldest and, and, and probably my best friend. And her husband, my other best friend, um, is living with ALS. And he's fighting a courageous battle. So I, I'm actually going to go up there later today. So it's nice to be closer. I grew up right around here. My wife grew up in the other town. Um, so it's just nice to be closer to people that I can pop over and see real quick versus, you know, when you got to drive over an hour one way, it's, it's very easy not to do it yeah. and make excuses. So, um, yeah, so we're doing well. My wife continues. She's a nurse at university of Pennsylvania and she has uh, been there 36 years and just is a, is a wonderful nurse, you know, big heart, very caring. And, you know, and the patients are lucky to get her. Understood. So with her being a nurse and having gone through this last year of COVID, mm -hmm. how did you guys, stay connected? How did you um, make sure like she's at her best? You know what I mean? Like sometimes we'll, you talk about within Jackrabbit, like, like being aware of yourself. Sure. How, do you, how do you supplement her own self-awareness within mm -hmm. that time frame and make sure that she's at her best and, mm -hmm. and staying healthy? I mean, was that something you were able to do? Oh yeah. Yeah. And it took some work, you know, early on, you know, when COVID hit all my, you know, all my speaking went away. It was all canceled, you know? So now I'm sitting there in panic on weight revenues dried up. And then I had a couple of clients that said, Hey, our people are kind of freaking out here a little bit. Can you design an hour and a half and just, you know, walk them through virtually. 
so I had some uh, I had some good client engagement there for a few months. So I was really focused on that. And I don't know that I paid a whole lot of attention or as much attention as I should have to to my wife and, and the atmosphere there at the hospital. I mean, she'd come home and tell me about it. And I was there. I was present. Not as much as I needed to be. So I had to work on that. And then and then when we had to move, you know, there's a lot of boxes that why it was a positive thing to do. Mm-hmm. And then there's a couple boxes, you know, more so for her that why it's not, you know, she, she's in emotional side is raised four kids or three kids there. You know, we lived there for 24 years. It was our neighborhood. And I, I understand and I respect all of that. I'm just not as attached to it. So I kind of operated from my own ego, you know, and not attached to it. Like we talked about, it's just a house. And, you know, it took some work to do that. So even in my vision, you know, if I was to read my vision letter around the personal, it's, it's really trying to stay focused, not trying, but really staying focused on what are the wonderful attributes about her, about my wife, Lisa. And she has a ton. Yeah. And, you know, it's very easy for me to focus on those and not focus on the 5% of things that annoy me or irritate me about her. Cause that's probably about it. You know, it's probably about five, maybe 10% that irritate me a little bit. And uh, if she was to talk to me, I probably got about 50% that irritate her. Right? <laughs> so um, yeah, you know, when you're, when you're with people and you know, they're your people and, and, and you really don't choose to do life without them, you got to understand there's going to be, you know, there's going to be some crap and there's going to be some different, different ways of thinking. And, and acknowledge them. But I, I would just encourage people to, you know, folk, acknowledge that, take a deep breath and then really focus on on who they are and how they are and, and how much love and support they give you. And, and your relationships will stay strong. That's awesome. Um, can we go ahead and do a little time shift here and kind of go back? Like, who was Danny before Jackrabbit? You know, like before you discovered... Uh, the different principles that have you where you are now, what was life like for you at that time? Yeah. Yeah. Life for me growing up until I was 28 was pretty easy. I mean, thankfully I had an intact family. I didn't have a lot of struggle there. I had wonderful parents that loved us. You know, we were middle-class, so we had enough money to to do what we needed to do. And, uh, you know, my brothers and sisters were all, we had some trouble, but thankfully nothing real tragic up until I had my accident at 28. So I, I really was kind of carefree. I graduated college. I got good grades. I played basketball. You know, life was pretty easy. And I, I you know, I, I bounced around after college because I didn't like the jobs, the structure of corporate America. Mm-hmm. And I, I got behind the bar and started attending bar, which I love. So I lived down the beach in Avalon, New Jersey. And then I would go out to Aspen, Colorado in the winters for two winters. And, you know, it was great. I was, I was working hard, you know, making money and, um, you know, skiing a lot and spending time at the beach. So that was good. I, I didn't, you know, at that point I didn't have, I didn't have, I didn't understand this notion of vision, right? I was just kind of living season to season. And, um, you know, my mom would always say when I was out skiing in Aspen, you know, you, you have to come home. I would tell her I was out there to find myself, you know, I'll be fine. I'm just trying to find myself. And she would say, well, did you find yourself? And I say, no, but yesterday there was about two feet of powder and that was pretty fun skiing. <laughs> so um, I did, I came home and I said, okay, I got to figure this out. And Lisa and I were kind of on and off again. Just be, I loved her. I just didn't know if I wanted to commit to being married. And um, actually, you know, right before the accident happened, we were kind of uncertain. And just minutes before the accident happened, I, I thought to myself, okay, I'm, I'm going to, you know, go talk to her and just, tell her that I'm going to move back to Aspen, get my real estate license. And that's, that's the life I want to create, you know, and I knew she didn't want to do that. So, mm. you know, just kind of part ways, you know, and the next thing you know, I'm, I'm laying in a hospital, my friend's dead and I got tubes just about in every opening of my body. Mm. So I'm like, Whoa, talk about a wake up call. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, Life was pretty easy. I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to the jackrabbit principles <laughs> back then. <laughs> yeah. So, I always say that you got to make some wrong turns to get on the right road. So yeah. some of us make more, uh, more wrong turns than others. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, sometimes we beat the piss out of ourselves, especially those of us with our, our Catholic guilt. You know, if you were raised, <laughs> if you, if, if that rings a bell for any of our listeners, um, but you just got to understand that you got to look back and you only look back for just learning, right? You look back to the past for learning and happy memories. 
Yeah. So when I'm coaching people and they go back in the past to beat themselves up, I'm just like, okay, go ahead and let me know when you're done because this is, this is not moving. What'd you learn from that? Oh, okay. And then you can kind of bring them into where they are. Yeah. So when you had your accident, um, what was it like after the accident? Like, where were you physically, mentally, emotionally? What were you trying to get through? Yeah. From that. Yeah. Phys- physically, I was in the hospital for about 10 days. The electricity went in my hands and then it went out in my feet. I had holes in each side of each foot, four holes. And the one on my left toe was pretty big. They had to cut out all the dead tissue and then take some skin from my hip and just do a little skin graft. So I was banged up physically for, you know, a good month or so. I was on crutches. I couldn't put weight on either foot, you know, just on the one heel. Um, and then that started to subside. Mentally was the big challenge you know, mentally and emotionally, and I kind of blend them together. Um, I was confused to the point of what happened because I crossed over. I mean, I was dead, according to my buddy that was there. And I saw him coming down the ladder and I was yelling to him, you know, get your brother, get your brother. And then I was, my soul left my body and I was joined with God. And when I came back and he and I spoke, and this is maybe eight or 10 minutes after the accident, when the police arrived, he told me, he said, I said, I was talking to you. I was yelling to you. He said, no, he said, you didn't say anything. Mm. He said, I heard it. And I, I looked down, you were on the ground. He said, I came to you first. I rolled you over. You know, your mouth was all covered in foam. Your eyes are all rolled back in your head, all white. And you had no heart rate or respiration. And he tried CPR on me for a few minutes and then gave me up for dead and then ran across the street. You know, no iPhones back in 1992, right? <laughs> he calls 911 and then runs back past me still dead and then goes to work on his brother. And then that's when I came back to life. So he would always estimate that I was dead probably for eight minutes or so. Um, and he said, there's, he said, there's no question, man, you were dead. You, you were dead. So I was really confused about that. You know what, because I was over in this beautiful place of peace and love and connection to God and, and all, you know, it, it's the hard, it was the hardest part of the book to write Mike, because you're, you're trying to use words of our English language. And that experience that I had was not of this world. So the words really don't do it justice. And then I was just mixed up about, you know, Lisa and our relationship. And I just kind of had that little voice in my head, right? Our beliefs. And they were, I screwed up. It's my fault. His kids don't have a dad. I don't deserve to be happy. It should have been me. You know, all the, you know, the victim mindset. And, you know, I, I was drinking too much and I remember one night I dropped some diet pills, some guy in a bar gave me that I knew. And, you know, I was just totally out of it. You know, I fell out of the car and my brother was with me and he's like, man, what are you doing? You, you know, you, you got to get a hold of yourself. And then went to the Outer Banks in North Carolina in October, as Jake does in the book, with the intention of, um, you know, just buying a hose, putting in my tailpipe, driving on the beach, running through the window and just go to sleep. You know, I was kind of at the end. So, yeah, it was, it was a rough time for sure. Rough time for sure. And I'm thankful that I, that I moved through it. I believe by the grace of God and, and wonderful people in my life. So if anybody out there has been through those difficult times, you know what I'm talking about. If anybody out there listening right now is in one of those tough times, just press on. Press on. Hit me with an email. I'll send you a book. Um, hit me with an email. We can talk if we need to, but there are ways of thinking or basic principles. I call them jackrabbit that we can start to apply and practice in our life that move us through the difficult times when that, when there is, there is despair and, and a lack of, of any trust. I don't really use the word hope, you know, um, hope is kind of, if you hope something's going to happen, you're really still depending on the outside forces when you trust that it's going to happen. You get, you got some skin in the game. Now you trust that you can make this happen, you know, through your action and everything else. Right. Yeah. How long was it from where you were like what you've described as far as you're at the bars, you know, you're going through all the emotional mental processing. It was quite, it was quite some time. The the key, the, the turning point for me was I was down in the outer banks and I went to buy that hose And I remember looking at him and I'm standing there staring at him. And this woman walks by and she said something. She just kind of startled me. And I said, you know, just startled me out of my 
my haze that I was in. And I'm thinking, what am I doing, man? What am I doing? And I didn't buy the hose. I went out and got drunk, which was seemed to be a better idea at that point. So I'm walking back to my motel room later that day, early evening, and I see a phone booth and I go in and I call my mom. And she said, when, you know, when you come home, we can't wait to see you. And she knew I was drunk, but she didn't give me a hard time about it. Right. She just, you know, she just showed up with love. And I think that energy of love is what mysteriously, divine, divinely, I hung up the phone and I walked out and I said, I wonder what it's going to be like when I get better. That little voice in my head. So it shifted from it's my fault. I screwed up to I wonder what it's going to be like when I get better. Now, that was the catalyst to at least say, you can't do this. You got to go home. And I did. And I mean, there were there were other times when those dark thoughts showed up. I remember, you know, times in my kitchen when when the knives, you know, <laughs> they were looking pretty good. So so you, you got to understand when we move through these tough times, it doesn't it doesn't happen like this. And, you know, you'll move through those tough times. Winston Churchill, one of my favorite quotes that he said is when you're going through hell, keep going. And, and then just see the other side. So it took some time. I always say, you know, I died in 92. I got married in 93. I had my first child in 94. And then I kind of woke up and said, wait, who am I? What happened? Where am I? Because it was this kind of blur for a number of years. You know, and the people in my life that love me, you know, they remember it. They were all there for me. And I'm so thankful for that. Hi, Coach Mike here. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Living Fearless Today podcast. Man, if you're struggling with your worth, feeling you're not enough and playing small, honestly, this isn't your lot in life. There is more available to you beyond this podcast to help you uncover your worth, feel respected, be confident, and play bigger in all areas of your life. Grab a time at highcoachmike.com forward slash book a call to set up a complimentary session on where you're at today, who you want to be, and how you can live the life you've been desiring. Again, head on over to highcoachmike.com forward slash book a call and take that first step towards your life transformation. Now, as far as like the people and that, like from my perspective, community makes a world of difference. Like what, you know, your family, your friends, just yeah. who you're surrounding yourself with. Do you, do you feel like at that time, you made intentional decisions or was it that you were blessed with people that already were in a place of, yeah. of helping? Yeah. Um, which both of those. Yeah. The first, the second one first, I was blessed with, I am and was blessed with tremendous people, mm. friends, you know, family members, moms, dads, brothers, sisters, you know, I could, I could list a hundred of them right now. The challenge that I had is I didn't let them in, you know? So the intention, like you said, that came after I came back home with an internal commitment to say, I got to get through this. Yeah. I'm scared and I don't know how it's going to work out. And I know I got to keep working to get through it. You know, that was the key. Then once I let these people in, I'm like, oh man, this is so much easier that I can just, you know, tell them I feel like crap and talk about it and not worry what they say. Yeah. See, what I found is, you know, I was, I was judging what people say when you go through a difficult time. And we've probably all had this, right? Somebody comes up to you and they say something and you're looking like, that was stupid. Why would they say something like that? Nine times out of 10, sometimes people are deceitful. Just dismiss them. Nine times, 99 times out of 100, the people have, the people have a good heart. They just don't know what to say. Right. So rather than judge what they said, just be thankful for the fact that they had enough love for you to say something versus avoid you from their discomfort. That's the key, you know? And so when you were, um, when you were, weren't letting people in, I'm assuming right. you were also trying to mask it, like to make it look like you were okay. If, if that is the case, yeah. do you find now in the conversations that you have with family and friends, did they know, like, were they still able to see beyond what was going on at the time? Like, how you really were? I think they did not to the extent, you know, I, I don't think anybody knew that I was going to the outer banks with the intention of not coming back. Okay. They knew I was hurting and they knew, you know, I right, just give him some space. He needs to get away. Um, 
So yeah, it was a combination of both me kind of hiding and putting up that facade for them. But they, they, you know, they, they knew those, those people that know me, you know, they, they, they still know. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of hard. You can hide some stuff, but it's like, you can't hide, you can't hide it all. So people, people catch on regardless of how we think that, uh, that we're coming across. Yeah. Hiding it all. Yeah. I always offer to people, you know, myself included, you know, just take a look around at, at your people. And one of those people probably need you a little bit more than you're showing up for them right now. So just, just take a look. And it's not because you're, you're not a, you know, you're a mean person or you're, you know, we just get busy. Yeah. You know, you all got a good heart. You, you want to help and support and love people. Sometimes we really, as you said, we really need to slow down and be intentional, really kind of dial into who might, who might need me a little bit. And as I say this to you right now, I'm thinking of like two people that I know I've got to connect with today. That's two awesome. people in my, in my family, actually. Yeah. But you're intentional about that. I mean, you're, you're looking around and, and going, Hey, I need to do something. Um, whereas a lot of the time it's like, we're just so focused on, and I'm guilty of this as well. I'm so focused on what's going on within my own world and mm -hmm. things I have to do, putting mm -hmm. out fires that I'm, I'm missing what's around me. Yeah. You know, and it's, and it's yeah. like, you're talking about just being cognizant or, you know, looking around saying, yep, there's a lot going on, but I'm going to look up and see what's going on and take some action. And it's those little actions. Sometimes we don't know um, the impact they'll have, you know, like your, your mom, when you talk to her, you know, she, she wasn't harassing you with what she knew was going on, but she reached out in love and that then triggered what you were talking about, how it, yeah. it gave you that spark. Yeah. So once you got to that point of your, your, that spark's been, been lit, how did you come out of that and continue to heal, grow, um, you know, become more self-aware and, and healthier from that? What, what did that look like for you? Yeah, I think it was just, um, you know, action, engaging in action, action, getting out there, getting more clear about your future. So, you know, I went back to work. Um, I still struggled with with some jobs bouncing around a little bit. And um, then I, I got into a, a company down in Wilmington, Delaware, MBNA, a large credit card bank. And I got in there in the business areas and it was kind of my first experience with significant experience with corporate America. Right. And I didn't necessarily like it all that much, but it was good in that it was structure. I had two kids now. I think we had two kids and I did it with the intention of getting over into their education department, you know, their learning and development department. And it took me about a year and a half, two years to start to make way. I, I started as a um, part-time facilitator over there on just smaller courses. But then once I got into that world and I started, you know, 30 people in a classroom for the day and, and I'm the, 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 the conduit to, to support them and help them learn and help them grow and not tell them, but just to support them. I'm like, man, this is it. This is, this is kind of what I, what I want to do. So then it became more of a passion. Right. Yeah. And then I went, I left there and I went to work for David Allen who wrote a book called getting things done GTD. And I learned a lot there. I was there for about five years and I went to work for another productivity firm for a couple of years. And, um, you know, that was good. And then I decided to go out on my own. Nice. Yeah. So, so what, what are you doing? Like, what is it, what does it look like for you as far as habits, you know, thoughts, actions, you talked about, you know, being active. What is it that you do to continue to grow yourself? Um, yeah. As far as, you know, what does that process look like for you? Yeah. Yeah. It's for, well, I've got, I've got a brand coach, um, you and I know the brand builders group, they do wonderful. So I've got a coach there that helps me with my brand. And what's nice about them is they, they don't necessarily just help me with the mechanics of building a brand, mm -hmm. but they also help me with Danny getting comfortable with Danny and getting comfortable with Danny going to a larger platform to more people. Um, you know, because I, I struggle with that, you know, I was raised to be humble and, you know, sometimes when you're raised that way, you confuse self-promotion or brand building of mm -hmm. Danny with, with humility. And it, it's really not the case. If I get back and, 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 you know, somebody says to me, Danny, what's your purpose? I'm like, well, 
I'm here to support people on this wonderful journey called life with it, all of its challenges. And they go, great. You got to sell more books so people can read it. You got to give more talks so they can hear you. I'm like, okay, I got it. You know, so it's not all about the business side. It's about if you truly want to live in and, and you believe that you can support people, um, then you got it. You got to just keep going, playing, playing at a bigger level. Are you, as far as like working with your, you know, like as far as part of your loving on your wife and loving on your children, do you have like an intentional manner about showing that to them? Like date nights, notes, like how do you express that to your, your, your family? Yeah, I think it's just through the interactions. You know, I, I would do more of, of date nights. My wife, as I said, Lisa's a nurse and she gets up about 4.30 every morning. So like during the week, she's kind of in, all right, I go to work. I'm on my feet. I'm tired. It's stressful. She'll come home and get a little exercise. We'll make dinner and then, you know, read a book or, you know, she likes to watch a little TV. Every now and again, we'll go out, but the set like that particular date night doesn't work for us. Um, I think it's just a matter of staying engaged with them and understanding your, your commitment, your role and your responsibility as a husband and as a dad. You know, right before I just texted our daughter, Lizzie, and I said, you know, I only have one daughter. So I said, good morning, my favorite daughter. And uh, I said, I'm jumping on calls now for a few hours, and then I'm going up to visit Aunt Trish and Uncle Bobby. Let's talk for a few minutes if we can. So it's just that awareness. But in my vision, you know, as I talk big about vision, you know, I have that whole letter that really lays out my year and what I want to focus on. In that vision, it always says how I stay in touch with my nieces and my nephews and everybody else. So you're always reminded, I'm always reminded to stay engaged with them and not let the busyness of life. See, here's the thing I think, you know, Jackrabbit is what? Develop vision, right? Dream, be bold, um, be still, seek support, engage with people, know yourself, slow down, disconnect, practice stillness, watch how you're thinking, and then continue to understand that you're going to grow and evolve. I don't think the world supports them naturally. The world just wants us freaking busy and overwhelmed, right? That, right? That's what it seems that it wants. So you have to be intentional. So you all have an approach. We all have an approach to living. Although I don't want you just to live. I want you to be fully alive. And there's a radical difference in my mind. So you really have to look, as you said, what, what's your approach to this? So mine is simply practicing those principles and understanding what is your vision? What do you want to create this year? Why are you getting your ass out of bed, so to speak? All right, great. Go work on it. Then stillness is recharge a little bit. You know, you and Kathy took a great trip, as you said, rode horses on the beach. You know, I meditate two, three times a day. I got my journal back here that I, I write in almost every day. You know, so I realize I got to disconnect. And then for me, you know, the, the biggest challenge over the years has been really getting my head right. Mm. You know, to say... For some reason, Danny, you, you can inspire and support and influence people. So, so you better get okay with that and, and, and go with it. Because if you have a big, bold vision, and, but you're, you're kind of hindered by your beliefs about it, mm -hmm. it's not going to happen. You know, it's not going to happen. And, and that's, you know, most of my vision occurs every year. And I still know that I have a, a bigger leap to make. And uh, I'm much more comfortable with that now than I have been in the past. I think we all have that leap yeah. to make. Yeah. So you've talked about your your letter that you write to yourself. Mm -hmm. How often do you write that? And then um, how often are you reading that to keep that fresh in your mind so that it's um, like that that vision, that, that right. uh, picture that right. you're driving towards? How often do you keep refreshing that? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And I've got an old podcast. If, um, if people went out to my, probably my YouTube channel would be the best place to look for. I don't think it's a podcast. It was just a uh, video where I talked about vision. So if they went to Danny Bader YouTube and found me and searched my video videos, there's one, it's from probably three or four years ago, but it's the same process. I walk you through how to write that letter mm -hmm. to yourself. And I learned it when I was at the Hudson Institute and what I've done now gosh, every year since about 2008 or so, is usually November, December. You just answer this question. If you have a really good year next year, right, January through December, in all the areas of your life, your health, your wealth, your career, finances, relationships, spirituality, 
if all those things are good, you have a good year, what needs to happen and how is it going to happen? So it's almost the story. So I always say to people, if I see you in December and I say, how was your year? And you go, great. And I say, why? What happened? What are you going to tell me? So you literally just write out the story of, of what you're telling me. And it's cool. People love the process. I mean, I, I do it. God, I've led thousands of people through it. And I would say the, the large majority, you could hear a pin drop. And a lot of times in the first couple of minutes, Mike, they may, you know, it's weird. When I'm with them in the room in person, it's so cool because I put on some music, you know, classical music or whatever. And I say, you know, this is vision writing music. There is such a thing. And they laugh. And the first couple of minutes, people are like weird. You know, it's almost like, man, what am I doing? I'm writing in past tense. I'm writing the story. And at the end of 20 minutes, when I go, okay, you know, you got one or two minutes left. And I say, okay, stop. People are still going. They're like, no, I'm into it now. The, the floodgates have opened. And um, so you write it, you get clear on it for a year. You got to read it at least once a week. You'll edit it from time to time, depending on the big things that happen in life. Um, but you're not going to, you're not going to add to it every week, you know, because your vision letter is the bigger picture. You know, what, what's the revenue you're driving for your business? What are the key projects you're working on there? What are the outcomes you want for your relationships? And what are you doing every week? You know, so, so it's really laid out and then you're just always reading it. Your vision then should drive you to the action that you need to take. So are you doing that at the same time as like you lay out your goals? Is it, is it kind of like well, a story? Kind of, yeah, the goals are within the vision. Okay, perfect. Right. So if you looked at my vision, you know, you're going to see in there that, that, you know, health wise, I, I want to stay around 175 pounds. I want to lift a little bit heavier weights because I'm getting older right now. I want to do the runs that I want to do, but you always write as if you did it, you know, very, very, very um, conscious and, and aware of, of, you know, alcohol and food and all those things just to stay in a place of moderation. Mm hmm. You know, I used to, my, my drink used to be vodka on the rocks, a lot of it. And um, I haven't had one of those. December will be two years. Wow. Um, you know, I've had one or two vodka drinks at the beach, but mostly, you know, I just do a couple of beers and some red wine. And even with them, always trying to watch, you know, the edge. But, you know, life is just better with me, vodka on the rocks, you know. Yeah. I don't, I don't need it anymore. So it's just nice to always have that reminder, you know, and staying aware and staying conscious of it. And uh, yeah, so I, so I look at, I have some people that um, will record their vision on their phone and listen to it. So they just listen to themselves reading the story of, of what they're up to creating, always to bring back the focus and the inspiration. Are you seeing that people have a higher success in, in uh, oh, yeah. achieving their goals than if they just wrote them down in the traditional, like smarter, smarter format, like they're. Well, I mean, that depends on the person. If, if you write your goals down in the SMART acronym and, and that works for you, great. The vision letter I've seen has a little bit more emotion to it mm -hmm. because it's a story and it's past tense. So I've seen people have some, some more success with that. Now, when they do it the first year, a lot of times I would say the majority of people, when I see them again or, or engage with them, they didn't stay committed to the process. They did it. They were jazzed. It worked for like two months and then they, they forgot to look at their vision. And even now I just got an email yesterday from a woman that said, I just did my vision again. And I, I'm this time, you know, I'm going to engage with it a whole lot more. So that's where you got to be gentle with yourself, you know, but it's all about if, if you can stay focused on what you want to create, right? Stay focused on those goals, stay aware of them. And, and make sure that you're taking the right action and holding the right mental framework to, to move on those goals. You're good. You know, you're good. Some people have it in a spreadsheet. Some, you know, the majority of people don't have it somewhere reliable. So the, the vision letter works for me. And it's just one that I offer to people, but if they go, Oh, I don't do a letter. I do it this way. I'm like, great. How's that working for you? They go good. I'm like, keep it. Don't, don't change yeah. it <laughs> because to develop a vision is just a principle, right? Yeah. You can practice that in different ways. So my approach is, you know, a, a lot of, you know, coaches and self-help gurus, whatever, you know, it, they've got their model, they've got their thing and, and they you got to do it like this. I'm just, I just offer you those five principles of Jackrabbit mm -hmm. and say, you know, there's many ways to practice stillness, right? It's just like exercise. That's a strong principle. Well, if you swim and I do CrossFit and somebody runs and somebody does yoga, what am I going to say? No, you got to do CrossFit. 
it's it's I'm, I'm practicing the principle and that's what's really important just keeping it at a high level and making sure that you're you're active in that area sure sure so danny if you were to look back at yourself like you know um you're at the outer banks mm-hmm. what is one message that where you're at now you would want to share with yourself at that time uh, life is a wonderful journey. Very cool. Life is a wonderful journey. And, and so, there is, and there is something bigger than us. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So my mom always corrects me. She says, Daniel, it's someone bigger than us, not something. I say, okay, mom, someone. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's where I was lost. You know, at that point in my life, it, you know, life sucked, man. Yeah. I got, you know, the proverbial smack upside the head. Um, and since then I've just come to realize that, there, there is struggle and there are really, really sad times of hurt and despair. And, th- and that's okay. The key is how do I move through that? And that, that's what a lot of the fourth book is about. You know, okay, the definition of okay, I have, a, a, I have some t-shirts people can see out on the website with some jackrabbitisms. One is Iagbo, I-A-G-B-O, it's all going to be Okay. And they go, well, how okay is this, Mike? Something can be okay because you agree with it, right? This is okay. This is okay. This is all right. Or you accept it. And this is okay. So you can be okay with tough times just because you accept them and you realize they're part of the struggle. That's the whole Stoic philosophy was based on. If anybody reads any of the Stoic philosophers of, you know, Seneca and Marcus Aurelius and all those. They didn't, they didn't wake up in the morning, you know, waiting, sitting there waiting for misfortune to come along. And they knew it was part of life. So when it did come, they were more prepared for it. I think it was Seneca that said, I, I, judge, I judge you, or I feel sorry for those of you. He said, I judge you unfortunate, those of you that have not experienced misfortune, because you know not how great you could have been. So they talk about going through the tough times is what makes us greater. That's the character builder process there. Right. Well, Danny, how can people get in touch with you? I mean, you've talked about Jack Rabbit. Yeah. Your amazing books there. Um, you, You just have a way to connect and draw people out and let them know that, that they are truly cared for and that the tough times don't last forever. So how can people connect with you? I think, thanks, Mike. And thank you for getting together. It's been great. I know we've talked about this for a little while. I'm, I'm thankful that you made it happen. Um, the best way to get me, I think, is emails danny at dannybader.com. Danny at dannybader.com. Um, if you need to connect that way, uh, website is probably the, the best central place because then that, got, that has links out to Facebook and YouTube and all those places that you could check out. And on there too, you can kind of jump into my book section and take a look at them and see what the books are about. And, you know, you can go over to Amazon and read some of the reviews if you'd like to get a book or two. I mean, summertime's coming, right? So it's a good time to read while you're out in the the vacation of the beach or the lakes. And then uh, for those of you that are leaders, you're in a leadership position. I strongly suggest that you do something for your people that supports them in coming back to life out of this. You know, we have we have some some workshops and some keynotes. I'd be happy to talk with you about that. If I'm not a fit, go find something else. Go do something to support your people, not so much about the business, but about them coming out of this kind of difficult year to renew. I have a workshop called Renew to renew is to engage in something that was interrupted. And I think we'd all agree that life was pretty interrupted this past year or so. So do that. And um, yeah, that's the best place to find me and find what I'm up to and follow me on social media. And we will uh, keep you posted of book number four that's coming out. It's just going to be seven short stories within the book. So you're going to be introduced to seven, actually a little bit more characters. Every chapter or part of the book is going to be a different person and they're experiencing a difficult time in their life. And you'll see how they moved through it. And we can also connect with you through your podcast, right? Well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The podcast is called Back to Life. 
And the subtitle, as I said, we got some focus. It's called Finding Fulfillment After 50, because I am 57 years of age. And uh, when we, you know, you kind of look at your analytics of all your, all, all your followers and all, the majority of my folks are over 50 years of age. So I said, let me get a little tighter um, with the podcast. But the thing is, you and I talked about, because I know you just stepped over that wonderful threshold of 50, um, is finding fulfillment is kind of the hook, right? People are going to go, ooh, finding fulfillment. That's, let me look at that. What I do then on the podcast with my guests, really, the majority of them who are over 50, um, is remind people that you don't find fulfillment. You know, you, you, you create it, as you talked about, you have to be intentional. So you want to be fulfilled and fulfillment. Achievement is an outcome that we get by focus and action. Achievements. I don't want you to live a life of achievements. I want you to live a life of fulfillment because the definition of fulfillment is achievements, right? A deeper cut achievements that are desired, envisioned, or predicted. A life of fulfillment is, is what you think about as you get closer to the end of this journey of life. You know, that's what you want. So we, we all have achievements. Some of them get us really jazzed and others are just things we have to do in life. And that's okay. Just make sure you're focused on the right things. Very cool. Well, Danny, again, my friend, thank you so much for coming on today, sharing your story, um, both where you're at, where you've come from, where you've come from, and how you've done it. Um, For the encouragement, just the guidance, I really appreciate it. So, Danny, thank you very much. You are welcome, Mike. And I wish everybody out there listening, I wish you all the best the rest of this year. Go ahead and uh, make some wonderful things happen. Fantastic. Thank you, my friend. Thanks so much, my friend, for joining me on another episode. If you found the information within the show helpful, please leave a review on the platform you're listening to. It helps raise the show's visibility so other men can join us in breaking free. See you on the next episode. And remember to continue putting yourself out there. Have a great one.